Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Happy hey, I'm Saturday. I'm very glad it's Saturday. That is, yes. That is a very good statement to have. Saturday <laughs> yes. is the best day. It's the weekend, you know, and there's always Sunday, so there's time to fit things in. Yeah. Saturday's I'm, always good. <laughs> I'm glad that this day is much more chill than the week has yes. been. Um, so, yeah, I guess yeah. Um, to get start, well, um, Adrian Dixon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Stephen Wiggins. Awesome. Because um, I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Because I think I did one of the podcasts yeah. where I did not pronounce the guy's name right um, yeah it's adrian like the rocky movies oh nice <laughs> people don't forget my name when i tell them that unless they're under the age of like 23 then they haven't seen the rocky movies yeah they're like <laughs> we don't know what this is what like oh and then you're just kind of like dang well you kids you get well, out exactly classics <laughs> Um, I guess I'm going to just start out with, um, like, where are you from? Where uh, I'm from. And... I have the questions in front of me, so yeah, we can... Oh, perfect. Yeah, I was writing notes before this, trying to, trying to get all my answers down. Nice. Um, so, I'm from the small town of Avenue, Maryland, which is... It doesn't have any traffic lights, and it's mostly farmland, kind of on the water, on the Potomac River. Um, and so I grew up with a lot of nature there, and I was forced against my will to go to Catholic school for 10 years, which was interesting. Whoa. Um, How, yeah. From when to when? Like, it was like kindergarten? To... From pre-K to eighth grade. Whoa. Yeah, and I was in trouble a lot. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a rebel, um, but it's okay because I got to experience these amazing Catholic churches. Right. And so became very fond of architecture and detail and, you know, the, the high Renaissance art that went with Catholicism. Right. Um, I got to see a lot of. So I didn't actually have an art class until eighth grade. We had a really great art teacher can, uh, come in. Her name's Karen Ann Junick. Got to give props to her. And Woo-woo. she, like, introduced me to Van Gogh, which is – or Van Gogh, as the but, Europeans yeah. say. An art critic would be, like, yelling at me right now. They're like, um, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> no, it's not right. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the right pronunciation. <laughs> so – uh, she like opened up my world with this crazy impressionism art that I had never seen before. Wow. And then I didn't have like a legit art class until ninth grade. But so before that, I was like drawing my dog and horses and things to do with nature just on Whoa, my own. Whoa, you had horses. Yeah. How many horses do you have? I didn't have horses, but my neighbor right across from me had a horse and a donkey mm-hmm. and a llama what oh my gosh so it was fun times nice yeah so So did you have any community art classes 
No, we had nothing. We and I mean the town still okay, so I moved back home in 2015. Yes, in 2015. Mm-hmm. And just kind of came across this professor at St. Mary's College, Maryland, who opened up an art studio and was providing community art classes. But she's like the only one to have done it. And she's still doing it. Um, it's Carrie Patterson. She does private lessons and summer camps and does like a really big service for the community. But that's, that's kind of it. Wow. At the time, there was nothing. Yeah. And so now you're in ninth grade and you're in your like first art class you've taken since eighth grade. Yeah. And so you just continue to take art classes throughout high school or how that? Yeah. So I took just like a basic art class and then I went up to my teacher at the end of the year and I'm like, Hey, I want to do advanced classes. So she's like, all right. She didn't, I wasn't like a star. She, she wasn't like, you should take the AP class. I had to like work for it. I had to work to get into it because I didn't have any formal training or knowledge. So I worked really hard and um, learned a lot from her. Carrie Fickus is her name. Lots of Carries in my yeah, life. Yeah, Carries are walking it out <laughs> for art. Remember? Yeah, Carrie is the official. If I have other children and it's a daughter, I should name her Carrie, and she'll just do great art things. She'll be great. <laughs> be a great artist. <laughs> totally. So I learned a lot from Carrie Fickus. A lot of formal training. Um, she was kind of tough, kind of militant, but that was a good thing. So, uh, I'm looking at colleges to go to because I Mm -hmm. knew I wanted to do visual arts and I thought maybe graphic design at the time. I wasn't sure, but I still had this, I've always had a strong, um, like detail and passion for geometric lines. Like I can paint straight lines all day and draw them it was weird my obsession with line Hmm. so I was looking at Hmm. schools and I applied to Micah and Virginia Commonwealth University and uh, SCAD and SCAD seemed the most exotic and farthest away from Avenue Maryland so where did I go (laughs) you went to SCAD the deep deep south dang bang that's a big culture shock right it was, it was definitely different, but SCAD's kind of like Lexington in that it's a big town. It's right. not it's not a large city, but it's a big town, and it's grown since I've been there even, but it still has a town feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I went to SCAD. Dang. That's what, that's what I chose to do. I also, so I was between, I always had vocal lessons, though. And wanted to be a pop star, like, my whole childhood. (laughs) Wow. And then I got into high school, and American Idol had just come out. And it, like, everyone was super competitive because everyone was trying out for American Idol, and no one was getting into it. Oh, Because, you know, they're looking for a specific body type or personality or. Yeah, they want somebody that's, like, like, uh, I don't know, radio ready, I guess. And they. Yeah. But it's it's weird because, I don't know, that show really, I feel like it made it harder for people to want to pursue creative endeavors because they're like, well, 
if I'm not as good totally. to be accepted through American Idol, then what's the point? Because I have to, you know, you have to pitch to, what's his name? Simon Cowell. Yeah, Simon Cowell. And it's it, like, well, you might be good, but it's just not what Simon Cowell likes. But should that mean you should stop it? I don't think so. Yeah, so I was kind of in that situation where I had a, a choir teacher in high school that taught me a lot, but was like very discouraging. And she discouraged a lot of other folks. It wasn't just me. Like, so she just made me feel like I couldn't do it. And so I quit. And I was like, my senior year, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. This is heartbreaking. Because it's like, you put yourself out there. You're so vulnerable just to like, sing in front of people. Mm -hmm. And then for someone to shoot you down, it just can rip your heart out. And I wasn't that tough, I guess. Oh, God. I was like, you know what? I love visual arts, too. So I ended up going the visual arts route. Nice. Um, so that's what led me to SCAD. Wow. And so you get to SCAD, and you just you kind of show up. And did so, you have a yeah. plan of what you wanted to do when you got into SCAD? Or what was that kind of like your first yeah. journey? So I get to SCAD, and I thought I would go for graphic design. Mm-hmm. So I show up to these graphic design lectures and they're all like clicking around the computer and it's really boring to me. It wasn't exciting at all. I'm not a computer person. Uh, I dread answering emails every day, but I just have to get through it. Right. So I do. So yeah, I was like, well, this graphic design program doesn't excite me. So then I looked into architecture. Mm-hmm. I've always been very fond of it. Right. And I still am. So I studied architecture and interior design for a year. And I really loved all the hand drafting and the color theory and the materials. But mm-hmm. when it came down time for AutoCAD or MicroStation, I was like really slow, couldn't, wasn't working fast enough, not doing great in those classes. So I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I got accepted into um, a, a study abroad program in Italy. Whoa. So I studied, yeah, I studied urban planning and architectural history in Italy. Hmm. And that was like the turning point for me because going to Europe can change your life and <laughs> be very freeing. So over there, I was studying with some painting majors and I just loved how passionately they spoke and they really loved the program. So I came back from Italy and chopped my very long hair off and said, all right, I'm going to do the painting program. (laughs) (laughs) New start. So I started taking, I I didn't switch my major right away. So I just did a quarter. SCAD does four quarters in a year. Right. Fall, winter, spring, summer. So I started just a basic oil painting class Mm -hmm. and I the smartest thing I did was to get all my foundational studies done in the first two years so I wasn't I didn't really have to do extra time and switching majors because I had taken like all my art histories pretty much and things like that so I took this painting class and just fell in love I loved working with my hands and being tactile and the smell of oil paint and the romanticism of how smoothly it goes across a canvas. And 
nice. all of these great things about painting. Um, and so the, I guess my first year in painting was basically all foundational classes, going from the master paintings, doing a lot of reproductions. And that was all good and fine. But then my second year, I had like alternative media with Denise Carson. Oh, and shoot. Got to explore like Andy Goldsworthy and Marina Abramovich and like performance art and all these fun mixed media things. Um, and then I had two professors that like really shaped me um, Jason Holscher, who gave me this whole background lecture on art from like 1900 forward and really like went into minimalism Mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with that and then uh the other professor that shaped me was Laura Mascara and she just really helped develop all students into like what it takes to be a professional artist and like I had never growing up my family never talked about politics it's just you don't talk about politics and just she, the off thing this was yeah it was off limits it was off limits no one talked about their politics it was just um i come from a very conservative area and she asked me one day like what do you think about everything going on in uh afghanistan and I'm like, well, I just don't like to talk about it. And she's like, your husband's in the military. You should talk about it. You know, you're, you're very huh. affected by this. And I was like, huh, I should think about these things. Right. So I just really appreciate those two. And SCAD just opened me up to like art is more than just the, the old classic masters. Right. And out there and it's so awakening and. I just, I'm a really big nerd for any sort of big art show and what it can do for you. Also, when I was in Italy, I went to the Venice Biennale and that also really changed my perspective on what art is and seeing these big installations and like Elmgren and Dragset. Um, are you familiar with their work at all? I'm not, no. Um... So they put a Prada store in the middle of, I think, Marfa, Texas, in the middle of the desert where no one can, like, get to the Prada store. Right. And I just find that to be really funny. Oh, wait, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, now I am. I just yeah. the name. I've seen it. I saw it on a blog before. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, wow, interesting. Um, yeah. So I show up to the 2009 Venice Biennale and walk up, to this installation which is like a a pull out front in a contemporary house like a very open contemporary house and there's like they they set up this story almost so there's like a dead guy floating in the pool and his pocket changes at the bottom of the pool oh my god and then you walk in the house and like looks like a party happened the night before that went wrong or something and I was just like, what am I experiencing right now? Dang. And so I just found that to be very interesting. And so, so I got really excited about these things. Right. And so that inspired your work. Um, also, I guess just backing up a little bit. Um, so you got married before you went to SCAD or during SCAD? I got, or... I'm a crazy person. I got married... My senior year at SCAD, I hadn't quite graduated yet. 
wow. Yeah, Dang. I was 21 and my husband was 23. And oh, we were we were babies, but we had dated for like 6 months before that too. It was like a quick turnaround. Wow. <laughs> but we've been together for it'll be 7 years March 19th. Dang, babe. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Wow. Yeah, and so, so uh, that obviously I guess affected the last year of your college at SCAD, I guess, is very different experience from being single and then going to be married. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was very helpful and um, you know helping me build frames and and panels and completing work. I mean. I felt like he kind of saved me from myself because when you're single, you're like, oh, I'm going to go out and do these things with him. I felt like I could be at home and be working and oh, right, right. it was all fine. So I think I managed my time better when he came along and he was stationed in Bluffton, South Carolina. So we would like meet up on the weekends. Right. Wow. So I was still really focused. Dang. So... Let's see. So you're in your senior year at SCAD. Do you just you pursued painting as your major? Yes. And you got. I end up switching to painting for sure, and get my BFA in it. Um, And yeah, I can I can talk a little bit about what I did post SCAD or. Yeah, what uh, yeah. what led you to Lexington? So you came uh, okay. did you come to Lexington with the BFA or So I after SCAD, uh, because my husband was in the Navy at the time, mm-hmm. we I kinda had to go where he went. because um, that's just how the military is. Yeah, yeah. So we were in South Carolina for almost a year and I did a lot of commissioned work there. Um, a lot of like people's pets or someone wanted me to paint the Versailles gardens. I painted an Ohio state stadium with a Buckeye, you know, like really cheesy paintings, but it was really good for like getting practice and making some money. Yeah. So I did that for about a year and then I moved to, uh, Richlands, North Carolina, which is about an hour north of Wilmington, North Carolina. And there wasn't a whole lot of art community there, but I was still making some large-scale work, Mm -hmm. which was great um, because I had the space to do it. And then that's where I I came into teaching art. Wow. So I started out of my house a um, Mommy and Me art class, I worked with because there's like a lot of young mothers and kids in the Jacksonville North Carolina area which is where we were um because it's a lot of like military spouses and things like that so I worked with kids there and then um a wine and design was opening in town and I saw it and applied for it and got the job and kind of helped the wine and design get going there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. It really helped shape me as a teacher with like teaching a really tough crowd of ladies, like 
what was the last step? <laughs> you know, like really annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure the wine didn't Students. help contribute to no. um, uh, <laughs> remembering the steps. <laughs> no, and I mean, some of the some of the clients that came through were like so fun and great, and you know, booked multiple times, but it was really challenging to have people like, well, I just can't paint. And it's like, well, no, you can't with that attitude. Come on. Yeah. I mean, like, it sucks. Cause it's, it's I think okay. most people, I think going back to that American idol thing, um, a lot of people just feel like they have to live up to a professional standard. And it's their first time in the gate, you know? Yeah. And You've got to work up to it. There's somebody, there's always, we all have somebody that put a chip on our shoulder and you just have to get to a point where you just say enough's enough. I want to do this and I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to have that per that negative person's voice totally. uh, influence what I'm going to choose to do in my life. And so it's just so interesting that narrative is just so prevalent in like arts education classes. Yeah, especially yeah. in adult classes, because I mean, like people are still rebelling against that that small little negative voice that says you can't right. do it, you won't do it, you never. And always as a child, yeah. I mean, and, I think anyone can do anything as long as they work hard at it. And like yeah. when I teach students, and they're like, "Well, I just can't draw." Like, listen, you can do anything you want. How do you think people get good at playing basketball? Because a lot of these students are male and into sports. I'm like, listen, yeah, people don't just go out there and shoot a basketball and hit threes every time. You know, they practice every single day and they learn what algorithm or what form their body has to take to make that, make those shots or, you know, steal a ball or whatever it is you want to get good at. You have to practice it every day. And that's, all art is is practice and I mean I guess some people keep making art like you and I because we really have fun with it and we love it um mm -hmm. but anyone can do anything if they practice I'm sure of this yeah it's, <laughs> it's all possible I just got put in the time and exactly so how did you arrive in Lexington? And oh, well, yes. first, back first to that. Yeah, back so. to that. Okay, so I worked at Wine and Design. Right. And then I worked, uh, I got a job at this charter school. They were looking for an after-school art teacher. And so I started working there, and I was just kind of thrown into the wolves with, like, here you go, not, like, any preference of what my students would be or anything. So I really learned kind of the hard way how to set policies and procedures in a classroom and mm -hmm. how to work with kids. And I was like the worst teacher in that, that year that I taught because um, I just had no experience really. I mean, I had a little experience, but right. not with kids with behavioral problems like I was working with. But I love those kids so much. Um, and I'm like so happy I had that time with them. Right. So I worked at the school, Zeka, um, it's School of Art and Technology in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and they have a great mission um, of trying to help students with behavioral problems or just that want to learn through like 
more arts education or technology education that mm-hmm. have harder times in traditional school settings. They give them a chance to learn and kind of come up with a curriculum so they can learn all the materials they need through through like a different means. Wow, that's um, inspiring. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we we live there. Orders, because um, your your duty station changes like every two to three years with the military. Right, and sometimes it varies. So we asked to get orders to Maryland because my family was there and I had just had my son. Um, So we went back to my hometown and, you know, I knew a few people from when I had left and I was just really, I I was tempted to get a job on base because um, on military bases, if you can get a government job, they're very consistent and they pay very well. Nice. So that was tempting, but I thought, you know what? I have my family here. I have free babysitters. I know some of the art community. If there's ever a time that I'm going to make it as an artist, it's now. Mm-hmm. I went there and I went to like the first Friday gallery hop situation. Went to every gallery, started talking to people and came across Carrie Patterson and got talking with her and told her I had teaching experience and I make art and so we set up a meeting and she gave me the opportunity to teach some classes and then that led to studio space there and I mean I just really developed a great community there and kind of got involved going to lectures and meeting artists uh, and residents at St. Mary's College Maryland Mm -hmm. and met a couple of my very dear friends there. Um, I'm actually going to visit one soon, Emily Chase, who's a, in the Tulsa Artist Fellowship. She's a paper cutting artist or like I would say paper artist in general because she makes clothes out of paper too. Wow. So it just led to a lot of good things. And um, while I was in Maryland, I also went to Vermont Studio Center. That was my first residency, which really shaped my life and um so my husband had the option to get out of the military after Maryland and he looked at different schools for nursing because that's his passion and University of Kentucky offers credit hours for military time through their med vet program so he has five semesters instead of four Mm -hmm. years and he is going to get his um, nursing degree in five semesters, and he's on his second semester. Wow, so that's an amazing program. So, yeah. what's the program called again? It's an amazing program, the Med Vet program, program for veterans. Wow. And I, I don't think there are many more in the country. Actually, I think maybe in te- Texas somewhere there might be one, but he looked around pretty hard trying to decide where he would go to school and this was the least expensive place to live and um you know the credit hours so less time in school and things like that it just seemed like the best option and he has family from here he's from ashland okay wow so he's he goes to school uk and then how did you did you have experience i guess getting back into printmaking um did you have experience yes, I should talk about uh, that. with printmaking before or 
So I did not. Okay. I wrote a really great thing about this in my notes. Okay. It reads, my first encounter with printmaking um, with a true studio impress didn't happen until my last quarter at SCAD, which is true. I didn't discover this till my very last quarter. Um, I had, my professor was only, and she was just so passionate about all things printmaking, historically and processes. Um, So I loved her enthusiasm and I just fell in love with all of the different processes and the, definitely the vibrancy and purity of pigment and the inks Mm. and, it just was really fun to me. And it still is like my fun outlet. Like painting can be stressful and deadlines. And I'm like, I don't know if this composition is resolved enough, but with printmaking, I just really have fun with right. it. Right, right. Um, so my, you know, one of my last classes at SCAD was printmaking, loved it. And then when I moved to Maryland, I installed a show for Alyssa Solomon, who is a great printmaker and on the board for Studio 2-3 in Richmond. And so she does mostly um, silkscreen and a lot of pattern and color in her work. And that sort of brought out this resurgence of my desire to print, do printmaking again. Mm. Um, So when I came here and came across the bluegrass printmakers yeah. and you know because you're super on top of the Facebook game came across your class in the studio I was really excited that I could find a printmaking studio because the closest thing to me in Maryland was a studio in Baltimore and it was I think a hundred and some dollars a month that like I couldn't justify right. that um so yeah that's how I got back into printmaking and kind of where I started. And so what, um, yeah. What kind of printmaking did you do at SCAD? Was it kind of like an intro to print class or was it more like, yeah, it was an intro class. We did lino cuts first and then, um, intaglio etching. Mm-hmm. And then we did lithography paper. Um, we had the option to do lithography plates, but you know, they were pricier. So a lot of people opted to not do that. Um, but we did everything but silkscreen essentially. Okay. And then that just really struck a passion with you and you just remembered it and you came to Lexington and was like, well, um, how did you find out just, just from Facebook? It wasn't. Like anywhere else? Yeah. So when I moved here, um, I I was it was really hard to move from Maryland to here because I already had a community, and there's so much for the arts in the D.C. metropolitan mm-hmm. area and in Baltimore as well. Um, so I came here and I just like went to places and talked to people, which is probably really. I don't know. People are very kind here and we'll talk to you usually. So I went to the downtown arts center and just popped in the office and said hi to Celeste. And she gave me all these recommendations for things to check out. So I looked those up and I just like started exploring Facebook. Right. Like I looked at the Lexington art league 
And I saw they had an open call for interns. So I applied to them and I interned there and I still volunteer there once mm -hmm. a week to help teach an after school program uh, with Common Good. But also like when you look at one page, it says like, you might also like these things. And I think that's how I came across the bluegrass pr printmakers um, and saw your classes and membership wow. and all of that stuff. So yeah, Facebook recommending yeah. things. So Facebook, <laughs> so I came yeah, across. Facebook ads, I tell everybody, I mean, I just, I pour myself into learning about social media, digital marketing. Yeah, social media. Um, algorithms how then then like the algorithm change like every i say year and a half and they kind of do something different and there's subtle changes or it's big changes like youtube cutting everybody's view counts um so you have to stay up on it but you really just have to post content yeah. and really great content really is the best yeah marketing tool you have and so yeah i just it's encouraging to me because i was like well i don't know if anybody's gonna see this that's the other thing too you just gotta put it out there you can never know who's gonna see it or where they get yeah. it from and so i'm awesome that you found it so now you remember the co-op and now you've been doing work with us and yes so why do you feel like uh you have a balance between painting and printmaking and have you explored monotypes and or more like one of one type uh, printmaking techniques, where it's more like a collage. Um, how have like you've been able to bridge your painting and printmaking? Okay, so to me, they're both kind of intrinsic. I like I incorporate little elements of both in my practices. Mm -hmm. um, so. <laughs> trying to think of how I want to phrase it so in my painting practice I'll start with that I often use tape and um, trying to get paint consistently and you know in thick quantities to kind of pull it through the tape reminds me of silk screening oh, in that right. way um, and then also I work on wood panels so sometimes I'm really kind of brushing paint into wood and trying to get the wood to show through the paint. And that kind of reminds me of an etching process with like trying to rub ink in with the mm -hmm. tarlatan and get it evenly distributed. Um, so just in the process and the tactileness of that. But I think my painting practice, um, you know, influences my printmaking practice through my color choices. Right. Like I, I feel like I see a lot of printmaking uh, here in the sort of, I want to call this the border of the Midwest. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of like black and white and really traditional sort of prints going on. But on the East Coast, I saw a lot of like a really bold color being printed on this beautiful luscious green paper or something. And so I try to bring that to my silk screening practice mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and maybe combining colors that maybe some folks wouldn't think about, or I, I also think about transparency and, op and opacity in any practice of my art making and how that will affect the outcome of a print or a painting. Right. Um, so color theory is a big element um, that 
is carried over from painting to printmaking for mm -hmm. me. Um, but then also, I am really all about the details as well. So most of my printmaking has been etching. Um, and I mostly etched on plexiglass when I was in school. And I still love to etch on plexiglass. Um, Can you explain so, a little bit about that process? Like, is it more, is there a certain type of plexiglass? And what type of tools do you use to kind of like etch it in there? So I just use like a medium thickness plexiglass, nothing too thick, but definitely not something that would just snap easily. Right. Um, I don't know the gauge it is because I just know the feel mm -hmm. of it. And then I'm just using a basic metal etching tool and just hatching, cross hatching, um, building up, really just using line like my biggest influence for my etching work is albert Durer, who was also a painter and printmaker and i just love the detail of his work yeah he's a amazing amazing man the, recently at the university yeah. well not the university cincinnati art museum at the cincinnati they had yeah a, i saw that show just wow i've seen some of his work at other places but when you see like the breadth and the depths of all of his work um, and it was made yeah. so long ago, and you're just like, he really pushed a lot of things that just absolutely incredible stuff. So detailed and so yeah. rich in the way he got it all printed. Um, it's just fascinating. I'm curious, though, were those, how much of that was his work and how much of it was workshop? That is a very interesting I question. I want to say. Like, did he, like, begin something and do the finishing touches or? That's something we should look into. Yeah, I want to say, from what I read at the exhibit, I felt like that was most of him. And I yeah. want to say they did have a few pieces that were sort of the latter part of his career that may have been through the workshop. But um, gotcha. they had enough to where you could see his tremendously his line work tremendous lines that just yeah separated by molecules i feel like i could i could spend a whole day just staring at that work yeah i really wanted to <laughs> you know i wanted to spend more time up there um but totally a few hours was like wow that's it was just absolutely incredible there's so many printmakers who just go back to dur um he's kind of like the inspired so many printmakers i know specifically like tom huck of uh, evil prince mm -hmm. in missouri um he saved a lot of printmakers from pulling their hair out going trying to figure out how they're gonna make work and the way it needs to look you know and he just yeah man he's a good dude i i've yeah and a great businessman i mean yeah his paintings were so expensive and so detailed. And I mean, they had to be expensive, the materials he was using in the time. And then he thought, well, how can I get my work out to everyone else? Printmaking. Printed up. And he, Genius. he went to where he needed to go to study prints as a printmaking method. And then he brought it back to Germany, which is just, yes, that's the way it needs to be done. Um, but and he, of course, then they use all the toxic stuff, and it's like yikes. 
Uh, there's yeah I'm like this morning I woke up and was like feeling kind of asthmatic and I'm like I should probably go to the doctor and see if I'm gonna be all right (laughs) (laughs) I wear a respirator when I use resin in my practice but you know like there's just those moments in your youth where you didn't wear the respirator and you were around a lot of oil paint or something and yeah it worries yeah, me. It, it, you have to be, tis the life. You have to be careful, yeah, <laughs> with um, making sure you stay health, healthy. There's a big push. Yes. Uh, there's a workshop. I don't know where it is. I Googled it. I've bookmarked it. I have a lot of bookmarks. But they have workshops in non-toxic printmaking techniques. And hmm. with, well, especially with, like, wood lithography, that is totally non-toxic. Other than the oil-based ink. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of interesting ways to do it um and it's just fascinating to hear about how other people approach printmaking and totally so yeah um i guess that's about all i had to talk about as far as the print yeah. and thank you so much for doing this um you're welcome thanks for having me so I know we were really excited to talk about the crossroads of printmaking and painting today. Yes. I feel like this shows a good breath and a good introduction to how you can approach printmaking with painting um, and vice versa. Um, Totally. If you're a painter, go to a printmaking class. If you're a printmaker, go to a painting class. And then you'll take that back to each practice, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you done any workshops at um, Penland or Aeromont? I haven't because they, I, I, I'm a working artist. For me, I kind of do the day job and it pays bills. And then um, I, I don't have the time to take off of work <laughs> to, you know. And so, unfortunately, um, usually I, I get like a week vacation and I'm like, well, do I go to SGCI this year? Do I do the MAPC? Yeah. Do I go? <laughs> and so usually like Penland always gets like pushed down. And then a lot of people just like Frogmans, 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 Frogmans. And I really want to do it one day. Um, yeah. I don't know anyone who has done it. That's why I was asking. Yeah, there, just... I've heard nothing but good stories from it. Like I've, everyone's been oh, like, Penland is great. Um, I've also heard really good things at Frogman's. And so, um, okay. Maybe 2019, I'll get, hopefully, cross the fingers. I'll get enough. I'll cross mine too. If I get enough (laughs) vacation time at my day job, I could definitely um, do the Frogman's. It would be cool if one of these days somebody would make a workshop like Penland or like frogmans that would just be for like working artists that can't don't have the vacation time but they want to learn they want to take a class be cool if they do it on a weekend like saturday sunday and just do it like that way i feel like aeromont might do something like that because i would i think they have shorter workshops i would like to do one um and most of my time is spent teaching myself just going on blogs online with 
YouTube and reading books yeah. and emailing. You're the master of printmaking research yeah, on your own. I just, I just <laughs> love learning about it. And there's just so many different ways you can do things. And totally. There is, there's like standards, there's like just practice. And I feel like there's theory too. And with printmaking, you can really work with theory in your practice and develop your own new standard. And that's what I love about it. Um, so amazing. Absolutely. Yes. Well, um, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm glad we got to chat me today. Too. Uh, I guess how I end Yay. the podcast generally is I asked the podcast interviewer E, interviewee, <laughs> um, like your <laughs> website, social media, where can people find your work and what you're about. And so you can go ahead and drop that info. I'll drop that info. Drop it like it's, hot. like it's hot. Okay. My website is adriandixon.com. So simple. A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-D-I-X-O-N. Nice. Uh, you can find me on Facebook by searching my name, Adrian Dixon, and also Instagram, Adrian Dixon, keeping it simple, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So that's that information, uh, a little bit about what I do. I'm mostly a minimalist painter mm-hmm. in a way, but, um, I am huge into color theory and I explore the spaces and materials we encounter. So all of my work is based off of observational drawings from life. Um, Cause I feel like photographs can't capture a moment when you walk into a room and see like beautiful lines or something. Nice. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not just working from big, beautiful uh, buildings or something. I also work from like how shadows come in a window of my house or um I need to do, this is going to sound weird. I need to do a drawing of like how a shadow forms on the shower head in my shower. It does this weird, cool thing with lines. So that's got to be soon to come. Yeah, do it. Um, Yeah. So I'm really interested in those things, Hmm. like the things that are our shelter and how just how spaces and materials affect us too, how like a very cluttered room can either make us feel like very claustrophobic or it can feel very cozy depending on the person Hmm. and like what our experience is. So um, I'm, I might be writing a grant about other people's experiences of space and materials they encounter and telling their story through my work. We'll see what's to come for next year. Um, But yeah, I, usually do a couple of residencies a year and am trying to show work in Lexington, Kentucky. I just submitted a proposal to a gallery around here. So hopefully my work will be soon to come in Lexington. We'll see, but I kind of show all up and down the East coast still too. Nice. We're getting it out there. Yeah. I appreciate the time today. And um, thanks for uh, talking with me about uh, how your work influenced by painting and printmaking and how you're yeah. uh, staying passionate with it and you're still making new stuff that all day every day awesome yes yeah well thank you Steven. you're welcome and you have a very very happy saturday you too have a great one thank right. you bye bye